Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast where we're taking a forward look at what our speakers look to cover at upcoming events, where this week we're going to be turning our attention to securities class action litigation, a look back and a sneak peek at the future, going live Tuesday, November 20th, between 12pm and 1pm Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be joined by our panel consisting of Kevin Gold, a Vice President at Analysis Group, and David Preby, a partner at DLA Piper LLP. All the information you need for this particular event will be found in the description box down below, along with the code PODCAST25, which will get you 25% off your first webcast registration. Once again, that's code PODCAST25. Everything you need will be in the description. Let's turn things over to our speakers now. I'm uh, David Preby. I'm a partner at the Silicon Valley office of DLA Piper, uh, a global uh, business and commercial law firm. Uh, I've practiced uh, almost exclusively in the area of securities litigation and related corporate governance litigation for 30 years. Um, and re I re literally read every uh, securities case uh, that's published or that's issued uh, for uh, useful information uh, and document them. And I'm so devoted to this area, I have an internet site, uh, www.10b-5.com. And where, while Kevin, We'll be starting, as he explained, we'll be starting our, pre starting our, our podcast by talking about trends in the way the security, in securities litigation, what type of cases are being filed and what he expects to see in the future. I'll be talking and following up on the legal side, explaining where we are today, I think, in my assessment, based on recent case developments. And then I'll, make, I'll talk about three areas in the future that I think will become trends or should be trends based on where we are today. And in talking about you know, how we got to the current situation, I think it's very important to recognize the intense judicial activity that we've had in this area. And I'll be presenting briefly and listing the huge volume of cases from the Supreme Court that touch upon securities litigation, both private and public, and uh, corporate governance and related topics. Uh, we've, our area has been blessed, actually, by almost 30 cases in our area in this in, from the Supreme Court in this millennium, uh, most of which are in the last 10 years. Uh, cases that cover a panoply of the elements of a 10b-5 class action, uh, limita uh, issues about limitations and repose, class certification, insider trading, and many other topics. It's really quite, uh, really quite unusual and quite beneficial, I think, to practitioners on the defense and the plaintiff side, and to issuers themselves and, and uh, corporations in, in knowing what the law is and what we might expect to see. And I think it's quite a welcome development. Next, I'll be focusing on the uh, activity from the uh, inferior courts, particularly the courts of appeal, in the last, basically in the last year, year and a half, talking, uh, surveying briefly the decisions uh, in, in the most important areas for private, and, uh, for private class actions and uh, regulatory investigations and M&A uh, investigation. Um, there's, we're really, again, fortunate in our area in that there are a lot of case developments. Uh, the circuits are quite active in all of these, in, on all of these areas. And, uh, you may, seeing 
all of this activity and putting it together in terms of the, uh, the elements of a claim and defenses is important, I think, to practitioners to know how to defend a securities class action uh, if one is filed, and also to see maybe how to, how to avoid it or minimize the risk of being sued in the first place. So I'll be talking about areas, cases in the topics of falsity, scienter, and what I call anti-scienter, which I think is important, loss causation, uh, territorial scope of the securities laws, and the uni Private Securities Litigation Uniform Standards Act, which is, can be a neglected area of defense in, uh, secur in securities cases uh, if you're not aware of it. Uh, and in addition, I'll be talking about the developments really in the last two to three years on the M&A litigation front, which increasingly is, has become a subject of federal securities laws as more claims are brought under uh, federal uh, proxy statement or shareholder communication statutes as distinguished from traditional Delaware or other state corporate governance laws. So that's, that, all, of the, all of that judicial development brings, brings us to where we are today. And I'm going to try to, to discuss about what I think might have, what I think we should be looking for in the future, uh, either because the law has developed into some uncertainties and questions to be asked, or what I think we should be looking at because the law needs to develop. And I'm going to, I want to focus in particular on topics that will, uh, that it's news that you can use, uh, topics that will either help you help someone try to defend a class action or, you know, prosecute it if you want to know what, how to follow the law, or topics that, that will allow registrants and officers and directors and interested parties to try to minimize the risk of being sued in, in, in the first place. And so I'll be talking about three areas in particular. One is class certification. There's been quite a lot of activity on the class certification front. It's an area, of course, of great, inter, uh, great guidance substantial guidance from the Supreme Court, and I'll be discussing really new approaches to challenging class certification that I think are increasingly becoming common and will, and will be used more often, even more so in the future. It's no longer necessarily the case that even if a, a claim is stated and you get past a motion to dismiss, that class certification is automatic, although it will, it will, it will occur in most cases. There are certainly new, new lines of approach that defense attorneys really must consider uh, before simply agreeing to class certification. A second area what I want to talk about in terms of going forward is M&A litigation. Uh, just this month, the Delaware, Delaware court again has signaled reluctance towards so-called disclosure-only settlements of shareholder cases and refusing to approve a settlement in a case involving Goldman Sachs. Uh, that will only increase the trend of more of this litigation occurring in federal court where there's been a substantial development on that area from a Ninth Circuit case. But I want to suggest that there are pitfalls for plaintiffs and opportunities for the defense in uh, in the notion that M&A litigation should be in federal court. Uh, there are arguments that defense attorneys should make, and I think that there are, there's uh, going to make suggestions uh, based on the case law to minimize the risk of a successful complaint being filed in the first place. 
guidance that you can ascertain from the, from the uh, existing case law out there. And then the third topic I want to talk about going forward is the safe harbor. As I'll explain, the safe harbor is really the striking example of a major uh, securities law topic, a major uh, t uh, portion of the Securities Reform Act of 1995 that has not been addressed by the Supreme Court and probably may well not be addressed. And therefore, the decisions have come from the appellate courts and district courts, and there's been quite a bit of difference and consternation uh, and disagreement and, uh, arising from those decisions. To me, the uh, safe harbor is a unique portion of the Reform Act in that it's uh, an explicit explicit provisions that are designed to encourage uh, registrants into, ta in, into taking certain action, into making disclosures, and by providing protections for them to do so. So it's a portion of the Reform Act that's actually designed to uh, influence behavior before you ever get to a lawsuit. Uh, and I want to suggest that there are, I will suggest ways in which uh, defendants can, and, and their counsel can defend the use of the safe harbor, and more, argument, more forceful arguments that can be made as against the attacks that you know, many plaintiffs and some courts have made on the safe harbor. And I also will suggest, based on the case law, ways in which you can make your safe harbor disclosures and statements more effective, more compliant with the law as the courts have developed it so that the purpose of the statute can be effective. And so and those, three, then those three areas, class certification, M&A litigation, and the safe harbor, I think are, again, uh, areas that reflect developments that are, that are currently in flux in the law uh, and have, have not yet been addressed and are going to have significant, I think, significant changes and trends in the next upcoming years. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget all the information you need for this particular event will be found in the description box along with the code PODCAST25 for 25% off that first webcast registration. PODCAST25 is the code. All the information is in the description. We look forward to seeing you at this event. Take care. Bye now.